When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field, going back Hernandez at the track, right to the wall, gone! Elvis Andrews! And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field, left the building. Guerrero lifts one to left field, and gone! Otani! That was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to A's Cast Live. As we have had a day off, we have recharged. We are ready to rock as the Oakland Athletics are heading to, well, they're already there, starting a series against the Atlanta Braves down in hot Atlanta, something we don't see too often. And obviously, when taking on the Braves, you got a got a lot of XAs. You got a lot of XAs hanging around. You got Matt Olson. That will be kind of the for our fan base. Been watching the A's now for the X amount of years. But for the older fans, you got a guy like Walter Weiss that is with the Atlanta Braves on their staff. And somebody you're going to hear today near and dear to the A's. And it will always be a part of the A's family with Walt Weiss, with Matt, with Matt Olson. The great Ron Washington is going to be with us today. We got a chance. Wash is always so good. Whenever the com- whenever the commander asks him to come on, always gives us his time, whether it's A's related or, you know, the Braves going through their historic run last year, winning the World Series. Cody, you, you contacted him multiple times, and uh, he came on with us, same with Walt Weiss. And, uh, you know, their time here in Oakland was magical, and they never forget it. And, uh Wash went out into the uh, into the dugout, left the clubhouse early because when we talked to him was what? What time was it? It would have been eleven thirty for us, but it was two thirty for him. So that would have been way five, before BP. Yeah, five hours before the game, so a couple hours before BP for sure. So we got a chance to talk to Wash. Going to be great. Uh, here's what we got going today here on Ace Cast Live. My old college coach, the Hall of Famer Sam Peraro, uh, was my head coach at San Jose State. Uh, recently just put into another Hall of Fame. We got a guy. How many Hall of Fames is this guy in now? It's unbelievable. So as college baseball is heading to the Super Regionals and, of course, to Omaha for the College World Series, and then we have a a combine that's going to be going on in San Diego, Uh, stuff to get into with Coach and what's going on in amateur baseball. We just celebrated the 1972 World Series A's. Uh, I was very fortunate enough to 
emcee the event with the players and the season ticket holders. Uh, that that was that was really special. That was it's magical. You bring those guys back, and you're 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 standing next to a Hall of Famer. To your left was Raleigh Fingers, and you look down. It's Vita Blue. It's like it's like these stars from the past, and reliving their greatness as the A's and the Yankees are the only two teams to have ever won a World Series at least three times in a row. Yankees have done it multiple times. A's have done it once. That's it in baseball. And you can't win three in a row unless you win number one. And celebrating these guys while we still have quite a few of them still alive is great on the organization and was a lot of fun. And the love that these guys, because they're all mid-70s, Campy's, what, 82, something like that? Yeah, I mean, early 80s now. These guys still have this brotherhood with each other, this love for each other, and they still have the stories. And Vita off the air was talking about how getting on the bus and coming on the bus on the way. Uh, Vita was talking about from the hotel, getting on the bus, coming over to the Coliseum, some stories that they were telling. Of course, you know, there's wives and kids on the bus. They're like, whoa, 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 some things you can't say. Well, some things you can't say, some things you can, but uh, – That was funny, and it was cool being a part of that and talking to these guys. You'll hear my interview with the World Series MVP of 1972, a great A, Gene Tennis at 2 o'clock, and then Wash at 2.30. So we're we're early. We're on the East Coast now. So uh, Peraro, Coach Peraro at 1.30, we'll have Gene Tennis at 2, and Ron Washington at 2.30. Look out for the Braves. Braves are starting to feel themselves a little bit as they've won five in a row. And they just swept the four-game set against the Rock Pile. And all of a sudden, everybody, and that's why you just got to, you know, you hate to say you got to let it play out, but you do kind of got to let it play out. Everybody was once again crowning the New York Mets as the champs of the National League. And before you know it, here the Braves are. They've won five in a row. Now they're still quite a ways back, but you don't got you don't have to win the division. It's nice to win the division. That's the goal. But Mets have won three in a row, but Atlanta's won two in a row. They've gained two games. Now they're nine games. They were double digits. Now they're nine. I mean, we're just in early June. All the Mets have to do, or all any of these teams have to do. I mean, at one point, Milwaukee had a big lead. I'm looking at the standings now. Milwaukee had a big lead, down to a half game. Dodgers, oh, they're going to run away with it for, what would this be, the 10th 10th year of winning in a row? Yeah, uh, but then they ran into the bus, all known as the red-hot Pittsburgh Pirates, and got swept in L.A., and then they, they, I think they won three or four against the Mets. I can't remember what the number was. They well, won. they've lost now two in a row, and Bob Melvin and the Padres are just two and a half games back. Then you go into the American League, and kind of everybody's kind of getting blown out, but we'll see. Yankees have won six in a row. Red Sox have won two in a row. Is it two in a row in Anaheim? No, no, no. They no, just no. won. They won five in a row. They went five in a row. They won off. They swept that series. They they had to have. Well, they swept the A's, and then they won in Anaheim yesterday. The Angels have lost twelve straight now. Oh, that's right. They left us on Sunday. Sorry about that day off. Yeah. So 
They've won five in a row. Haven't gained any ground on the Yankees, but it doesn't matter. Once again, you're just you're vying to get in. And they're fourth in the in the NL in the AL East after winning five in a row. Fourth. The point is, we got a long way to go. So whatever your lead is right now, it is not safe. But the Braves are playing much better baseball, and that's what the A's are running into. And you're looking at a situation to where Braves are getting better starting pitching. They're scoring more runs. They're playing good defense. Still a good team. And our old friend, Matt Olson, how is he doing right now? Well, Matt Olson, his last eight games, he's hitting 314 with a 997 OPS, two dingers, five doubles, and 12 RBIs in the last eight games. Did you know, or do you know, I should ask, who does lead all of baseball in doubles? I don't. I mean, I knew who did it last year, but I don't know who's in it this well, year. What does that mean? I don't because I know it's not Jamer Candelario again this year. That's who did it last year. Wait, but we're we're in we're in twenty twenty two. What does twenty twenty one mean? I, don't know. I mean, I thought he must, but he's playing for Detroit, and they're not having a good year to, uh, offensively, so it's not him. Uh, Everybody just went. What's he talking about? Twenty. Who? I, Paul who's, Goldschmidt. Who's leading this year? What? Who's got the most doubles this year? If it's a not if two years ago, not five years ago, not all time. Right now, this year, twenty twenty two. If if it's tied into the Braves and A's, I'm talking uh, Austin Riley. I I kind of I kind of I led you away from the answer, knowing that I think I could do that. It's Matt Olson. No. Okay, well, I deked you on that. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but I, I thought it was—I thought it was going to be someone on the Braves. I just think it was going to be Matt Olson. Yeah, he's got twenty-three, but boy, we'll talk to Ron Washington about it. That's tough sledding. Like you can have the, I'm coming back home. Everybody's going to be like the hometown kid, but it's the Freddie Freeman deal. Freddie Freeman's doing well in L.A., and, you know, you're trying to replace the, this latest generational player for the Braves. He was he was that first guy since Chipper Jones. Chipper Jones was their guy. Like, organizations, not all. Most organizations, you don't have too many guys like this, where he's your guy, he's there forever. Uh, the Braves... Because you remember the Braves even got rid of Dale Murphy. They trade him to Philadelphia. Sorry, my alarm threw, threw us both off, I think, there. Well, what, it's 115? What yeah. are we – What? Um, some of us have to clock back in from our union-mandated 30-minute uh, oh, break. Oh, <laughs> it's all about you and the union. Well, you're a union we, worker, yeah, and God bless yeah. you. That's, that's more of a joke. There's no union for us, but that's okay. Well, it sounded good. Yeah, I know. That's it's an old joke that I used to always tell people when I actually did part belong to the grocery workers union twenty years ago. Or no, that'd be that'd be eleven. Are you still years paying ago. your union dues of the grocery uh, workers no, I, of the great state of Pennsylvania? No, I think I moved past that now. But you threw me off with this Matt Olson thing because he he hit thirty five doubles all of last year in one hundred and fifty six games. Oh. He has twenty three and fifty five already. Maybe the baseball in the humidors kept it in the yard. More doubles for Matteo. Yeah, he might. I mean, he might eclipse 40 easily this year. I mean, he's already 23, and we only played, what, we're a quarter or a third of the way through the season. So, if he does that again. By the way, speaking of my mugs, got to show you my – got to show you the merch. You got the hat on. Correct, I do. The Pitching Ninja coffee mug. 
Pretty sweet. Show the red one. It's uh, right there right to the here. right. Yeah. Show our go. Rod Friedman, our buddy, the pitching ninja, he's got unbelievable merch. Go to his website. You follow him on Twitter. His merch is legit. Look at the hat. The hat's yeah. sick. I, I love the hat. And uh, the other piece that we're, that we're representing today is uh, shout out to minor leagues, the Lansing Lugnuts with the A's logo right here. Uh, this is a big. This is a big couple days for somebody when it comes to that. Do you know who that is? The minor leagues. Minor league broadcaster coming uh, up. There's two of them. There's only one that matters to me. Is that the great Bob Hartz? And why is that? Uh, I don't actually. I don't know. I'm following the advice you told me. I don't know. What are you wearing? A Lansing Lugnut shirt. Stockton's weighed in. Stockton in the house. I, I do you own? I don't have any Rockhound gear. Uh, yeah, I don't either. Where is Bob Hards? Where is he? What's he doing for Ace Cast Live? We should probably talk to. We should probably talk to him or Bobby Crosby. He's a friend of the program. He's the manager. I can't ask the manager. He could, he could talk to Bob for us and tell Bob the Bob Hards. You're on the board. You're you're everybody else. You get represented. I can pull out Stockton Ports. I can do Lansing Lugnuts. I support our minor league system. They got to support us back. Where's the merch? Bob Hards, you're on the board. And Bob's actually calling the game today and tomorrow in Atlanta with Vinny. That's what I'm saying. Today's going to be like, hey, I mean, I'm looking at the Lugnuts right here. Uh, shout out Jesse Goldberg Strassler, who gave us the Lugnuts gear. He will be calling uh, the series next week in Boston with Vince. And he'll get the love. Yeah. I had the Ports shirt on the other day on the field, no. supporting the great Stockton Ports. The great Alex Jensen, who mooched off me off last week. I oh. love I love being boarding for him. But it was good to see him and his wonderful soon-to-be wife. And you like throwing him under Fiance. the bus. Yeah. So he's not here, of course. So we're going to talk to Ron Washington about it. I mean, it can't be easy for Matt Olson to replace Freddie Freeman. I mean, Freddie Freeman was this generation's Chipper Jones. That's kind of hard to say, Nick, because it doesn't seem like Chipper Jones is that old. But how many organizations have that guy that, you know what, he was here his entire career, he's Mr. You know, Mr. Brave. Chipper Jones was Mr. Brave. What? Hold on. Wait a minute. We have – we wow. I heard this, and, and you know what, for all of you people who who – when we bring on the Mad Dog and Chris Russo, and you go, I don't like, I love Russo. Russo is a Hall of Famer. Chris Russo is one of the greatest radio personalities, just not sports, but all time he's in the Radio Hall of Fame. He mentioned this. I brought it up after crediting Chris Russo, and this has gone down. This is no joke, because normally we're joking. On just about everything. True. It's the entertainment business. This is serious. Live from New York, I'm Chris Townsend on the ABC Sports Desk. According to the, now this is verified, according to the Los Angeles Angels' own Twitter account. Wait a minute. This is from the actual Angels' Twitter account. Yes, they have. Let's see. And they have their own blue check mark because yeah. it's actually the Angels. This is not Friends of the Angels 
blog, whoever covers the – this is the actual Angels. Like the A's, we have our Twitter account. This is the Angels' Twitter account. I'm just verifying it on my phone as well as the computer to make sure. And, yes, 12 minutes ago, there are 1.3 million followers the Angels have. The Angels have relieved Joe Madden have, as, of his duties as manager today. Phil Nevin has been named the interim manager of the Angels. Joe Madden out as the manager of the Angels. Wow. Mad Dog brought it up. I've mentioned it a couple times. Why is no one – have you heard me say that? Uh, not about I Madden. S- I said it in postgame, and I credited Mad Dog going, Mad Dog brought it up, but that was an interesting point. Why is no one talking about this? If you're going to have Joe Girardi fired in Philadelphia – you're on a complete nosedive if you're the Angels. 12 in a row. You've lost 12 in a row. Is that any good? I mean, it's horrific. Trout was on an 0 for 26 slide until he got a hit or skid until he got a hit last night. I mean, that's not good. The best player in the sport was struggling. His batting average dropped to like 276 or something like that. Let me give you some numbers, okay? And I wasn't going to, you know, I didn't think we'd go over these, but. Here These are. numbers are now. Here we go. <laughs> it's called a pivot, folks. The Halos have been outscored during their 12-game losing streak, 78-35. to 35. No club has ever lost 12 in a row and made the postseason in MLB history. Did you know that? No, I didn't, but that's good to know now. The Angels have gone 200 consecutive at-bats without a home run. This is the Angels' longest single-season losing streak in club. No, no, it's tied. A loss tonight would be the longest losing streak in club history at 13. They dropped 12 in a row. Win. Uh, see, again, this is – I'll play into a bit I don't know. Yeah, I don't think you'd know this. I mean, I, I have it on our, on our playbook, but I also don't want to just ruin it for you either. When were you born? Uh, 1988. Yeah. The year, the year you were born. I wasn't even born yet when this happened because I was born late. I was born November of 88. Okay. Before <laughs> you were born, the Halos, they concluded the 19 – oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I think it, I think the losing streak carried over from season to season. It did. So it was during your lifetime. Yeah, I did. I, I, my, while I was alive, the Angels did lose 12 in a row twice. Yeah. This there you go. second time. There you go. You know how bad you know how bad this is. Actually, this is my I don't know. My wife is an Angels fan, so. I mean, I mean she's a. I mean, she's not rocking the rally. Month. By the way, you sent me go. one of the most interesting notes. I have never in my life gotten a text from Cody and then threw up in my mouth. <laughs> I got a text from Cody and I threw up in my mouth. It was yesterday. On this date, in 2000, the Rally Monkey made its debut on the scoreboard in Anaheim. Correct. Yesterday. 22 years ago. And they're still, they're still rocking this (laughs) stupid thing. (laughs) They've got multicolor Rally Monkeys. There'll be people, like, they got seats, like, where, where their stands have rails, and people, like, you know, people line up, you know, the Ks for strikeouts next to them. Right? They line up rally monkeys. It's the dumbest thing. you've. It could be if we could say top ten dumbest things. Maybe that could be a Feldman. Top ten 
top 10 dumbest things organizations have done in baseball. You could do like Disco Demolition Day or whatever that was uh, with the, the bur- white, with the White Sox. Yeah, there was the burning the records, the disco day, whatever that was called. Where the, I mean the the, and then there was the one day where they had the cheap beer. They got there's certain days. This has to be on that top ten. 1979, the disco demolition night. The White Sox. Yep. What was the official name? Uh, disco demolition night. Disco do. I knew it was July, disco. July July yeah. 12, 1979, at Comiskey in Chicago. Sorry, that'd be the South Side. In the old Comiskey, yeah. The unveiling of the rally monkey goes down on that. But how – I mean, you think about Joe Madden. And there is a – there is a – an arrogance that has been around him, I think, now for years. Because what, what we're seeing in Tampa is Joe Madden left – Nothing changed. Like Kevin Cash has kept that ball rolling. That's our that's our good friend Kevin Cash. That's good friend Kevin Cash from Sacramento, right? Kevin Cash. Oh no, he's a Florida kid. Yeah, I was say he's, he was born like by he's born in Tampa. Yeah, never mind. Never mind. Who's from Sacramento? Uh, that'd be the not the great Dusty Bu- Baker. That'd be the great Buck Martinez. Buck Martinez. Okay. He goes to Chicago. They got the payroll. They got the wherewithal. Theo, they're spending money. They win a World Series. They break the curse of the? Billy Goat. Curse of the Goat. Everybody celebrates. We saw it in Boston in, what, 2003? The Curse of the Bambino. Four. 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 Curse of the Bambino broken. Now Curse of the Goat. We're done with curses in baseball. Joe Madden's the talk of the town, even though there was a lot of people, if I remember correctly, who criticized a lot of his moves, and they felt that the Cubs defeated the Indians despite Joe Madden. Well, there were some bad. There were some bad moves in that in that series, for sure. All right, and then you think you just ended the curse that you got job security forever, right? Not so fast, my friend, as the great Lee Corso would say. And he's run out of Chicago. And then all of a sudden, there's this huge celebration because Joe's the everyday guy. He's, I think, what, he lives in Long Beach. He has the house in Long Beach. And he's just a cool guy. I know Korak was telling a story recently about about how Joe goes out and plays golf on a Muni golf course and just goes out. He's a... A solo, he'll join a threesome. And he seems like a really nice guy like that. Man of the people, it seems But in a baseball sense, he's been real arrogant. And his decisions have been very arrogant. And his answers to his decisions have been arrogant. And he showed up like, oh, my God, get rid of Brad Osmus. Osmus was there for, what, a year? Get rid of Brad Osmus. Joe's back. Joe's come back home. It, it kind of gives you the what Alabama used to do in football where everybody that they hired as a head coach had to have some type of connection to Bear Bryant. I don't know if you remember that. Talking SEC football right now on Ace Cast Live. Can't beat that. But for years, anybody that they would hire at Alabama had to have some type of tie to Bear Bryant. 
Had to. That they, had, they could not get away from that. And it burned them for a long time. This was, I don't know if this, that's apples to apples, but I always think about that because they kind of tried to do it with the Packers and Lombardi too. Is that you had this great coach, great guy, wins a lot. You know, Niner fans out there, you know about the Bill Walsh tree. So you want that connection, right? Well, who is the connection to the last time under Mike Sosha that they won a World Series in Anaheim? Who? Joe, I said Joe Girardi. Joe Madden. I'm looking. What camera do I point at? I got to point that that way. Joe Madden. Yeah. So you can see us on YouTube, by the way, and on our Twitter account. If you're just listening on A's Cast Live, Athletics.com/slash A's Cast. He was the connection. And I, I have something for you last night that I don't know if this led into what happened, but this just shows you what was going on in the Angels. Now this is between Sam Blum, who covers the Angels. For the athletic and Joe and Joe Madden, I, I keep saying Joe Girardi. They well, they both got lost their jobs. They both week. got canned. Yeah, um, but this is between this is an exchange last night. I, I, I listened to the audio; it was actually really poor from Bally Sports West. Like, well, let me ask you: Is this um, was this for public consumption or is... no? It was a it was a it was in, during his press conference last night after their loss. Oh, okay. So the reporter Sam uh, Sam Blum asked, "Do you uh, do you feel like the team's still competing and fighting the way you want?" Madden said, "What do you think?" Blum responded. I mean, you've lost 12 in a row, Madden. But you've asked a different question. What do you think? And then Blum responded, I'm asking what you think. And then Madden went on by saying, are, are you asking we're not competing? And then reporter said, I'm not saying that. I'm curious if you think so. And then Madden responded, well, you must be thinking that if you ask the question. And then, well, I'm not the manager, but you guys have lost 12 in a row. I think that's a fair question. Then the Angels PR asked them to move on from the, the back and forth. Blum said, he's asking me questions. Madden said, I am. And then he said, the reporter Sam Blum said, I'm answering them. And Madden responded with, because I obviously think we're playing hard. We're not winning games right now. But I'm not going to denigrate the effort by the guys. I'm asking if you're seeing seeing it because I'm not. And then Sam responded with, I mean, I have not won a World Series as a manager, so I wouldn't ask to be one. And then PR asked him to move on again. And that's that was it. It was a really – and Madden was snippy with them a little bit. If you have to watch the body language and how he responded, it – I mean, 12 in a row is a big deal. They have a minus 43 run differential during this losing streak. Minus 43 with Trout and Otani in your lineup. Now, Rendon's – I think Rendon's hurt again, isn't he? Rendon is hurt. He's on the IL. Otani's hitting 171 over the last 13 games. Otani, if you want me to go into it later on, Otani is a blessing and a curse. I, I, I've been saying this. You're building your team around a guy who – you're not sure, even to this day, what his work schedule should be. Yeah, they're still running out the six-man rotation. Yeah, you're running out a six-man rotation. Finally, you decided to start playing him every day. I mean, he is a marvelous talent, but you're still struggling to figure out, okay, what are we going to do? And, like, the six-man rotation, is that working? I mean, we went from a four-man to a five-man, now to a six-man. You need six starters? Like, how many pitchers do you need? It's not working. And that was the question. Go ahead, call coach. Okay. And that, that that's the question. How are you going to get 27 outs? You're going to tell me about how great your offense is, how are you going to get 27 outs? Ron Washington's going to tell you pitching and defense. This next guy's going to tell you pitching and defense. I mean, it, it's... 
how are you going to win if you just can't get your pitching together? And how are you going to get your pitching together if you've got a six-man rotation? And what happens if someone gets hurt inside that six-man rotation? Now you got to go find another guy. I mean, it's like the amount of guys you got to find. There's not enough pitchers in the world. There's just not. And they're also now. But Madden, by the way, Madden. What was the thing where he walked? Who did he walk? He walked Seeger. Seeger, yes. He walked Seeger. What was the explanation? It was an arrogant explanation, and it was just this like he's just felt like like he's like he's bulletproof. Well, and it's like leadership. That have you felt great leadership by Joe Madden since he went to Anaheim? Uh, I can't say Chicago. I mean, as much as you think I'm living I, in the central of this country and I'm all into the <laughs> NL Central, um, I have I wasn't living in the NL Central when Joe Madden was the manager of the Chicago Cubs. I would say no, he hasn't. And the, the reason I say that is how many winning seasons have they had? None. Exactly. And now I know their pitching hasn't been there. Okay, coach is ready. But they also hired a guy from the front office to be their bench coach, Ray Montgomery, who a lot of people think – will eventually be the manager of the team. Well, Phil Nevin's the manager now. Yeah, interim manager for now. Uh, coach Which, by now. the way, if they play well, I mean, there's been a lot. I mean, Phil Nevin was here on the Giants staff. He was on the Yankees staff. And there's a lot of people who felt that Phil Nevin, um, that Phil Nevin would uh, at some point be a big league manager. And he now is. How about a man who coached against Phil Nevin back in the day? And knows so much about our great game of baseball. He's a Northern California baseball legend, the Hall of Famer, the former head coach of the San Jose State Spartans, the great Sam Perraro is with us on A's Cast Live. Coach, how are you? Chris, it's great to hear your voice. I have been enjoying watching you on TV and listening to you, and you're a real fan favorite of my friends. And uh, so I'm real proud of the work you're doing. Great to talk to you. By the way, when we were talking about you earlier in the show, I, I, I seriously, I've known you my entire adult life. I, I, I literally cannot keep up with how many Hall of Fames you're in. How many Hall of Fames are you in now <laughs> after going into the mix? Because a lot, you know, before San Jose State, people not might not know this, but you won championships at Mission College at the community college level. You went into the Mission College Hall of Fame. How, how many Hall of Fames are you in now? You know, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I really don't know. I, I've been fortunate to be in a couple of them. And, uh, you know, obviously, anytime you're honored like that, you know, Chris, that uh, we, anytime we're, we get that type of an award, it's on the wings of other people, right? And so, uh, in my case, it was my players and assistant coaches. And so, that's kind of how I look at it. But uh, you're honored anytime those things happen to you. Well, you're welcome, Coach, for everything I did to get you into those Hall of Fames. You're welcome. <laughs> you, you, well, you did, Chris. You did help me. Come on now. Be, well, well, one be, guy. Be what, I, I play. I play. I played <laughs> golf yesterday. I, I played golf yesterday with a guy that really helped you, Dave Sick, and I. Uh, he was our ace back in the day, and I played golf with Dave. Yes. And I was. Yes. Jo- I was joking with Dave. I'm like. When are they going to retire my number 21? Kim Caminetti and I were number 21. When are we going to retire this number? I'll go on the back with Caminetti. Well, I'm going to have to bring that up the next time we have an alumni meeting. I'm writing that down right now, okay? 
Big news today, uh, Coach, out of Anaheim as Joe Madden let go. They've lost 12 in a row. You know, whenever you have a skid as the leader of the ship, I always, you know, I always say it's it's the guy that sits at the front of the plane, the guy that sits at front of the bus who's leading the charge. When you're in a skid like that, I mean that that you talk about a dramatic shift this close to the season. Just your feelings on making a change like that for Joe Madden, and we can also throw Joe Girardi in there in Philadelphia. Well, you know, Girardi, um, Girardi was feeling the heat. Um, you know, th- those guys just at no point during the course of the season were playing at the level that they were supposed to play at, and of course, Philadelphia is a tough town. Uh, if you're not performing, you know, you're, the media is very tough back there. The fans let you know when you're not playing well. So Girardi, although I always have a lot of respect for what he's done in his career, uh, you can see that coming. Now, this surprises me with Madden, Chris, because I've always looked at Madden as a guy who's a good captain of a ship type guy, um, you know, a, a non-panic type guy trying to keep guys uh, – you know, loose together. But when you lose 12 in a row, I mean, that that team really looked good early in the season. You had uh, Trout playing well and, and uh, you know, Tawny. And they look like a contender. But, boy, have they offensively, they've really stopped hitting. And uh, I was surprised they made the move. Uh, Nevin, Nevin is a very capable uh, baseball person. I won't be surprised if he goes in there and does a really good job. Well, we were t- we actually brought him up yesterday. Phil Nevin as a player, people remember, was the number one overall pick in baseball, Golden Spikes Award winner. Uh, Houston took him number one. And I remember when we were taking, taking on uh, Phil ne- Nevin and Cal State Fullerton at our yard, San Jose Muni, and back then San Jose Muni, was it was a pitcher's park it was tough to hit a lot of home runs there and this guy he was the first one to wear oakley sunglasses i remember big leaguers were making fun of him next thing you know everybody was wearing them but he took the greatest bp i had ever seen and you're sitting there and you went that's what a big leaguer looks like you knew right then like this guy's a big leaguer so and remember coach too nevin was the field goal kicker for the cal state fullerton football team too no doubt about that. In fact, uh, you know, there's a story about Nevin um, uh, when he was playing football at Cal State Fullerton, and, and uh, they were <clears throat> driving down in the fourth quarter. I, I don't remember who the opponent was, but the head football coach was Gene Murphy, who was a longtime coach there at Cal State Fullerton. And he, you know, because he played multiple sports, they, he didn't know Nevin that well. And he went up to Nevin and asked him what his range was. And, you know, Nevin supposedly told him, hey, listen, cross the 50, just get inside the 50-yard line, send me out there. And uh, sure enough, I think they got to the 35 or 38 right around there. And Nevin went out, clock winding down, and he kicked a field goal that they said went could have gone about 65 yards. So he was a, obviously a great competitor. Uh, pressure uh, did not bother him one iota. I do remember those BPs that you're talking about. We tried not to look at it because, I mean, <laughs> the, just the sound of the ball coming off his bat was enough to intimidate you. But I, what I remember most about Nevin in our series is 
Garrido, Augie Garrido had, uh, he had tore his Achilles and he was coaching from a wheelchair and Nevin struck out to end an inning and he threw his bat in his helmet and hit Garrido, hit Garrido, who was, you know, he, he was in a wheelchair and we all go, oh, good. He's going to take Nevin out. You know, I mean, he's Nevin's going to get pulled here. For, for for throwing his bat, you would have you you would have pulled him if you got hit. You would have pulled him. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I would have. You're right, and that's why I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm not doing anything anymore. But I mean, uh, and Garrido, of course, he left him in there. He was smarter than I would, would ever be. But uh, but no, Nevin was. Uh, you know, you think about some of those guys we played against, Kotze. Uh, you know, he was I think a Golden Spikes guy as yeah. well. I mean, just tremendous talent. And great players. Yeah, there's no question about it. And I still talk to Kotze about that because that was our uh, senior <laughs> year where, remember, the great Mark Langston came and talked to us uh, on the That's field right. there at Cal State Fullerton and uh, did it, gave us the pep talk, and we went out and beat them when they were number one in the country. Langston still great remembers memory. that to this day. Great memory, Chris. That was the Sunday game, and I believe it was Rich Day that uh, went yeah. the distance in that game. And, um, it, you know, what I remember most about that is, you know, they, they handled us pretty well the first two games, you know, uh, and they, they were a great team. I mean, the personnel on that club was unbelievable. And I can remember uh, I, I uh, decided to call pitches that game, the, that Sunday game. I said, hey, what do we got to lose, right? And Juan Batula, uh, you know, had been calling pitches. And so you remember Scott Hurtler. So I had Scott next to me during that game and I called every pitch and rich day. It was like a computer game, whatever we called, you know, he was throwing breaking balls, three, one count. Uh, he was throwing his slider, uh, you know, three, two, and he had everything going that day. And that was a great performance by rich day. I've never forgotten that. You know, you've taken a team to the College World Series, and there's so many rounds now. And now the Super Regionals, which you, you've done before. Uh, what, what, what is it like? You've gone through this long season. We have the same thing now at the big league level, right? You got this long season. You got multiple rounds. It just seems like no matter who you beat, you got another round after that, and then another round after that. Just what's it like getting your team prepared? All right, you just got through the regionals. Now you got to do the super regionals. Well, it really helps the home team, um, the people that don't have to travel. So, for example, a Stanford doesn't, you know, they're going to be at home. That's, uh, that's, that's a big help. Uh, Oregon State is in Corvallis again. Um, you know, Southern Miss is staying home. Texas A&M. Uh, Virginia Tech, Tennessee. They, those teams have, to me, have a big advantage. When we went to the World Series, we uh, our our uh, you know we went to Waco. Uh, we went to Waco, Texas. We spent five days there at the Baylor the Baylor campus. We came home for two days. Then we had to turn around and go back to Houston, and we spent you know I think five days in Houston uh, for the Super Regional, and then we came home took final exams and two days later we're off to Omaha. So, you know, it was a, and, and to be frank with you, I mean, uh, you know, we were on the road for a month, almost a month straight as we had finished the season at rice. And so, but you know, your adrenaline 
you're young, Chris, you remember that. I mean, when you're young, you, your adrenaline kind of gets you through things. So you're not feeling it at that time. You're just excited. These teams are so excited. I don't know if you watched that Stanford-Texas State game last night. That was one of the best college games. My wife and I uh, were watching that game, and, uh, you know, that had to be one of the best college games that I've ever seen. I felt so sorry for Texas State, but I was elated because I'm, you know, kind of pulling for Stanford. But, um, you know, these games are so intense. Every pitch has unbelievable meaning. It could be hot. It could be cold. It doesn't bother you because the intensity, the focus is unbelievable. And uh, the teams leave it out on the field. Yeah, people don't think about the school aspect. And I was actually watching the Women's U.S. Open this past weekend, Pine Needles in North Carolina. And there was, uh, I think her name was Lindblad. She's a uh, young woman from Sweden who plays at LSU. And here she is, Coach. It's the U.S. Open. It's the Women's National Championship in golf. And after she's done with her rounds and everything she gets done, she's got to go back and write papers because it's at the end of the year. You got these other professional women who are playing golf all around the world, and they're playing for a major. And here she is competing with them. And then they all go to dinner. She's not going to dinner. She's going back, and she's got to do studies. So you got to compete at the Mm -hmm. highest level and still got to get your work done, especially for the athletes at this time of the year because you're in finals time. Exactly right. And, uh, and, you know, and, and I, and, you know, there again, I remember that because we had, uh, we did bring in a couple of proctors uh, actually to Omaha because some of the guys had to take finals once we got there. Um, and so, you know, of course you think of it as a distraction, but at the same time, you know, you're, you're just in the mode of doing things, right? You're in that mode. Hey, whatever it takes, we're going to do it. So, I think athletes, you know, in general have that discipline. Uh, They have that work ethic that uh, enables them to do special type things like what what we're talking about right now. So I'm not surprised by anything that uh, these great athletes do. You know, I'm not totally up on how this combine is going to work in San Diego for these amateur players. Uh, Cody, what's it? Beavers is the guy's name from uh, Cal. Yeah, Dylan Beavers, right fielder from Cal. Yeah, he was on uh, MLB Central this morning. They had him on talking about it. That was good national pub for him. Um, Coach, I know you probably don't know much. I don't think really we all know how it's going to go down. We're going to actually get to see it on MLB Network. But as someone who's coached so many student athletes, you've coached so many guys that who have been drafted. How do you just like the idea that the top players are going to have a combine where now all 30 teams can have their talent evaluators there and they can see these guys and get to see what they have to offer versus just showing up to a game with a radar gun and scouting them? Well, I think, I think it's, it's going to be, a, obviously, from an evaluation standpoint, it's, it, it's going to be uh, really good for those people. And, and I think there again, you're, you're, these are all top players that we're talking about. They're not intimidated by that type of environment. You know, in fact, I think some of them thrive even more. Um, I mean, we, you know, you've probably played with guys, Chris, that, um, if they knew a scout was coming to practice or to a game to watch a game, uh, you know, in their minds, they were coming to see them. You know, it was, hey, this is my opportunity to uh, to present my skill set. 
So I, I think it's great for the evaluators um, because they, they're, they're firsthand. Uh, they get a chance to focus in and watch every little thing they do, not just what they're doing on the field, but watch them in between, you know, they, you know when, they're, when they're not necessarily hitting or fielding. Uh, I know when we recruited, Chris, one of the things we used to do is we like to watch, we try to get there early and watch these guys uh, before practice, before a game. You know, what was their routine? Um, what were they doing? Were they helping out, helping out setting the field up, for example? Were they dressed appropriately? Um, uh, how did they, uh, you know, what was their body language? What did it look like? So this is giving these evaluators opportunities not just watching them perform but getting an idea maybe how they interact with each other and uh how they uh, you know go about their business from a personal standpoint well how about this and cody i can't remember when we went over this but <clears throat> it was uh billy bean and farhan zaidi didn't go see mike trout because the weather was bad in new jersey and there was this reputation of all these top guys. If it wasn't Al Leiter or his brother, everybody else who came out of Jersey wasn't very good, right? So these guys would get drafted high, and they weren't very good. So it was bad weather. Bean and Farhan went, ah, eh, we don't need to see this guy. And they ended up taking Grant Green out of USC. I don't know, Grant, Grant Green or Trout. So, I mean, think about that, Coach. How many people <laughs> didn't want to go to New Jersey to see Mike Trout because guys normally from Jersey aren't that great? But if if Trout would have gone to a combine, maybe the draft, mm -hmm. we Trout may not be an angel. Well, you know, obviously the track record of being in Zaidi is, is pretty good. Um, but you know, it's the, in, any Intel that you get. And I always tell this story, uh, you know, uh, Doug Thurman, when he was my recruiting coordinator, uh, now with the Mets, after practice, now with the Mets, he's done very well for himself. And, um, he, uh, after practice on a Saturday, he said, coach, listen, um, we need to go to Pleasanton tomorrow. And there's a there's a shortstop who's a football player. Uh, he's a quarterback. His season's over with now. He's going to start working out. And I got an inside tip that he's going to be taking ground balls and nobody's going to be there. So, you know, let's get down there tomorrow morning and, and, and see if we can get a head start on this guy. And I said, oh, that sounded great. And, and, you know, so as we start pulling in to the facility, the high school that he was at, there wasn't a parking spot to be found. Okay. It was supposed to be a top secret workout. <laughs> there must've been 500 people there. And to make a long story short, it was Brandon Crawford. Okay. Um, and you, of course he signed with UCLA. Hell, we couldn't even get in the, in the stadium. We couldn't, <laughs> we, and we got there early. But my point is, is that Intel comes out when you, when there is word of a good player somewhere, you'll get in your car or getting on a plane and you'll do whatever you got to do to go see that person, because that may be the difference maker in your program. And of course, Crawford and, and, and we did see Crawford work out and it was mind boggling. It was really mind boggling. We just were looking at each other, go, this guy's been playing football the whole season. And here he is first day and he's taking angles on balls that 
it's like, oh my God. And, and, you know, he went to UCLA, did very well there and he's still playing at a high level. So, you know, nothing surprises me anymore. You can't get every guy, but when you get a lead on something, you know, you do have to follow up on it if possible. You know, not only have you had a great career as a head coach in college baseball here in Northern California, you're also a baseball historian here. And to think about how much you love the game, how much you love both teams, the A's and the Giants, we just celebrated, and I got to be the MC and the Q&A with the season ticket holders of the 1972 team. Coach, when you think back of 72, 73, 74, the A's come over from Kansas City. They have this collection, nucleus of young players that then blossoms into one of the greatest runs in the history of the game. When you think back of 72 and the other two teams, what do you think about when you think of the A's? Well, first of all, I think of my roommate, who was Charlie Finley's intern, okay? And um, he got us tickets um, to some of those games. And believe it or not, they weren't sellouts, okay? They weren't sellouts. So we got a chance to go to the games. He cut out home plate. Uh, he, he, in his room, he had home plate. He cut it out of the house. <laughs> um, but uh, no, no, we, we watched those A's games. Uh, you know, I love the A's. I mean, I was a Dick Williams fan. I thought Dick Williams was a great manager. Um, that team they had was scrappy type players. I mean, Sal Bando didn't come to that affair. Um, I was surprised. You know, he was captain of the A's back then, uh, uh, Chris. He was their team captain. And all those guys came up together. You know, they put Rudy, Bando, Jackson, uh, Fingers, Dave Duncan, um, Dick, uh, Dick Green, uh, Han, you know, they all came up through the minor league system. Uh, Finley, you know, Finley takes a lot of heat for things that he did, but he did a lot of good things. He, he built that ace team. Uh, he was a pretty good scout. He was a talent scout as well. He signed Vita Blue. Uh, you know, he saw Vita Blue pitch. He only needed to see him one time. He saw yeah. Catfish Hunter pitch. So Finley, to me is underrated in terms of, you know, what he did to build that ace, that run, but it was disappointing to see it break up when, you know, when they lost Hunter, I think it was 75 because of a contract dispute. Of course that prevented them from going on and they could have maybe won four or five in a row. I'm not, I'm not kidding you. They, to me, they were that good. They won the three in a row. I think they could have won two more. Yeah. Not shocked. I mean, they were just they were just entering their 30s, so they had a little more run. You you got you you got one for Coach Cody on the way out of here. Not really. I think we hit everything we wanted. Do we get? Did did, did you get everything you needed out of Coach Barraro? I think so. Yeah. I was at the coach. I was at that Stanford game last night. It was it was incredible for Texas State to oh. go up two runs in the ninth, and then Stanford hit back to back home runs to tie it in the bottom of the ninth, and then a freshman walks it off with a single in advance to the. Super Regionals this weekend against UConn. It was a great college baseball game. I'm telling you what. Uh, and on, on TV, they really focused on that. Uh, Texas State, uh, they stayed in that dugout a long time. And they panned in on that dugout. And the coach was, they were together talking. And uh, he was crying. I, I almost started crying, watching him cry. Because I, I could almost figure out what he was telling those guys they laid it on the line for him they played their guts out they probably deserved to win 
you know, if, if they would have won that game, they're hosting, they're hosting that super regional. They're thinking, Hey, we're going to Omaha here. So, uh, Stanford took it away in a cruel fashion. And we all know this, Chris, you know, this baseball can be a cruel game. It, it can be a cruel game, but it's still the best game out there. And, uh, you know, you can't get enough of it. Yeah, let's just not do it in three and a half hours every night. <laughs> I'm with you, Chris. Remember <laughs> this. Remember this. The, the starting pitchers, there's too many. It used to be in the old days, it was a two-hour and 15-minute game because the starting pitcher went the whole way, yeah. and the hitters weren't running the counts like they do now. Yeah, a lot of first pitch hitting back then. So you guys are making – outs on the first pitch and the starters are staying in there forever and all of a sudden you have a two hour and 15 uh, 15 minute game so that plays a big part in it uh coach all the bullpen used today and bullpen and starters at bull uh, bullpen guys starting games all that bullpenning stuff I've been trying to tell people if there's anyone to blame in the history of baseball, in baseball, they want they want to all blame the Rays. They need to blame you. You're the guy that started all this on well, two on Tuesdays when we had to play like oh, St. Mary's or Santa Clara. We would yeah, bullpen the yeah. entire game. Forget the Rays. The Rays weren't even in existence then. You yeah. were bullpenning before the Rays. We were, you know, Chris, you got a great memory. You really do. And of course, you played you played a part in that. Although you have, I did start you on some Tuesdays. You beat Stanford uh, when they were, I think, the number one in the country on no, a number two. They were and number think, two. Well, number two, okay. And uh, I think you uh, you beat Hawaii Hilo on a Tuesday. Uh, you went, I don't know how far. You went quite a distance in that game. So you saved us. But no, we 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 uh, we broke the games down. We felt that was our best way, you know, on some midweek games, and it did serve us well. Yeah, no doubt about it. And it's like funny. I remember when it first happened. You texted me and you said, "Yeah, remember we started that." <laughs> <laughs> uh, guilty, guilty is called. <laughs> well, I say it every time, Coach. I love you to death because you mean so much in my life. You, you taught me so many different things. Um, and, and it's what a coach is all about. I mean, you taught me about education, the importance of education. You taught me the importance of discipline because you disciplined me when I needed to be disciplined. You brought me here to the Bay Area. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have the wife, the kids, the life that I have, uh, the education, the diploma. Uh, so much of it is because of you, and I can never thank you enough. And I know there's a lot of us not only who played at San Jose State for you, but it's what coaches, whether it's the youth level, the high school level, the college level, what people like you do for people like us, and, of course, the coaches that you had who inspired you. Coaches mean a lot to us in our lives, and that's why I tell you I love you every single time I see you because you mean so much. And I thank you for that. No, no, listen, you're giving me way too much credit, way too much credit, you all those things you're talking about, you did, and you you uh, you knew when to get serious, when it was time to get serious. Okay, you were a fun-loving guy. You enjoyed yourself. You had fun playing baseball. Our team was better with you on it, but at the end of the day, when it was time to get after, you did all that stuff. So, uh, thank you for the compliments and coaching. That's why we're there, Chris. We're supposed to help our guys. We're supposed to develop our guys. Uh, in, in that way, in ten, fifteen, twenty years. When you run into them, 
you have a, a good feeling for them. And that's what I do. Anytime I see a former player of mine, a uh, big grin across my face and a big hug because we were, it was like a family situation and you're in that group. So thank you very much. All right, coach be well, let's have breakfast soon. Oh, I hope so. And thanks for having me. You have a great day now. The great Sam Perraro, the Hall of Famer. Doesn't even know how many Hall of Fames he's at San Jose State. He's, he's in so many Hall of Fames, it's ridiculous. All righty, good stuff. He's right, though. That, Stanford, that game last night was incredible. I mean, I don't go to a lot of college baseball games. I've been to a few this year. Was it as incredible, UCLA coming back from 11? No. That was what pretty, was that? That was pretty remarkable. What well, was they, that game? Who they, they playing against? I forget who they, who they beat, but they won 25-21 to 21 or something like that. It was a ridiculous. Oregon State, I think it was. Oh, well, they came back down eleven. No, down. It, it was they were nine down or something like that in the, in the ninth. But that's who that's who Stanford beat in the uh, Pac-12 championship game to, to win the Pac-12. They beat Oregon State, and Oregon State's good every single year in college baseball. I mean, you look at some of the guys in the majors. I know Adley Rushman. Where's he from? Oregon State. They produce a lot of high-end kids. But so does Stanford. They have another kid in their draft right now. No, Stanford's been producing guys for Marquez all those years. They won the back-to-back. Well, they went back-to-back World Series. I was in high school at the time. It was 88, 89. They went back-to-back. But, I mean, Stanford's been a – Stanford has been – well, put it this way. Before Jim Harbaugh, right? Hypotheticals. Hypotheticals. Controllables. You know about controllables. Yes. You can only control what you can control. Yeah, that's, a great, that's a great mantra to buy with meditation. Controllables. Um Stanford won the Sears Trophy, which was to the to the best athletic department in the country. That means everybody. So all these SEC schools and Big Ten schools, Stanford every year went because went, they dominate the Olympic sports. Anything from track, swimming, tennis, golf, I, which is not – golf is now Olympic sport. But any, anything that's not football and basketball, Stanford dominated, right? All the national championships. And then Mike Montgomery, the – Basketball program, multiple Final Fours. They, they've been good in football. I mean, you go back to the John Ralston, Jim Plunkett days. Jim Plunkett from San Jose. Um, that was back in the seventies, and you know, then you they had some from, from some very good runs. Uh, and a guy that I played golf with quite a bit, Tyrone Willingham, if you remember that. You know, Walsh came back again. But it was Harbaugh got him on the map. Harbaugh got him into BCS games when we had BCS games. But from a baseball standpoint, Stanford's always been an elite program, and they've had so many number ones, so many great players. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, their, their current coach in front and of And, yeah, I took him down <laughs> at Sunken Diamond. They were number two in the country, and I – Took him down. Uh, that's a big accomplishment. It was a long time ago. Wasn't A.J. Hinch on that team? You're damn right A.J. Hinch was on that team. Uh, and I threw it by his ass, too. Print it. So, what's funny about and it. And he was a number one pick. At, at David Esker is the head coach, the former Cal Bear, but also. I'll take part, ha- I'll go after no. <laughs> Uh Esker was on the World Series team in, seven, or in, in 87, and they won back-to-back years. In Esker, well. Esker was on the national championship team. All-tournament team. Coached it, then coached at Stanford, then went and became the head coach at Cal, and now is back, back at, at Stanford. <laughs> That's not right. You can't go like, I played at Alabama, I coached at Alabama, then I went and coached Auburn, and then I'm now back at Alabama. You can't go Ohio yeah. State, Michigan, back to Ohio whoa, State. Whoa, whoa. 
Shots fired there. You can't do that. Yeah. He's uh, done that. Yeah, he's done a great job. I mean, I mean, we've seen numerous guys come through the A's that are from that were from the Cal team with the World Series team. Well, Mark Hanna was there the year before, but Marcus Simeon oh. was on that team. And by the way, it, 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 it at one point, I know I got to be pro Bay Area guy, but if you go back to my roots, no, I don't like Cal or Stanford. Don't like Santa Clara or St. Mary's either. Played against them all. Um, it was nauseating how much cow we had. Let's be honest. Yeah. It, Melvin, Canna, Simeon. I'll even throw Joe Stiglitz in there. I mean, well, everywhere you went, it was cow. Dalton Jeffrey still. This is before Dalton. Oh, yeah. So I'm trying to think if there's anyone. Yeah. Who else was it? It just seemed like we had, like, everybody was from Like, the only non cow people was Susan Slesser Stanford, and I was San Jose State. And Brody Brazil, but Brody's Brody a lot studio. So he wasn't what? around. Piscotti's a. Piscotti showed up. He's a Stanford guy. So yeah. that got, that helped Jed. even out some stuff. Jed. Jed's a Stanford guy. <laughs> uh, are we forgetting anyone else that's Bay Area related? Sam Fold Stanford? Yes. It's another one. Everybody remembers Sam Fold? Isn't he the Phillies GM now? He's an ex- is he a G- I think he's, he's the GM of the Phillies. He he's the official GM. I remember yeah. he was in the front office. I think he's the official GM because Dombrowski is the president of baseball operations. Oh, that's yeah. Because I was like, Dave Dombrowski runs that show. Um, yep, current general manager of the Philadelphia Phillies. You know what's crazy? Because we haven't done a winter meetings. Because we haven't really. Because of COVID, essentially, COVID into still not meeting in twenty twenty one. Who knows what will be like at the end of this year? Because we had lockouts. So we didn't have a winter meetings because of the lockout. So from COVID to lockout, kind of the movement, unless you're really in that world, the movement of the front offices just kind of hasn't been a big deal. Am I wrong on that? No. Um, I, I feel like you're right. I mean, besides, like, guys getting you know, let go, like, what happened? I mean, how many general managers have the, have the Mets had in the last two years? Well, think about it. We always would, like, I for years would always have general managers on the show. That was like a big deal. That's the general map. But, like, we haven't, like – and you'd see them at the winter meetings, and they're, there they are. It's like we haven't gotten together as an industry in so long. Yeah. Because we saw Sam Fold in San Diego. I went up, said hello to him. When we – San Diego was the last winter meetings for baseball. Would have been December 2019. Yep, correct. Because then the virus was hitting at the time. But the virus then would uh, – in 2020 – yeah, we saw Sam Fold down there. So Farhan making as he's making a trade, we saw him. Farhan was <laughs> making a deal, and literally big league dust. Cap, Cap, did did Kapler come on with us yeah. before, or after, and what was the deal? I don't even remember. Oh, it was when they traded. Um, they traded away Zach Cozart, who had oh was out a ton of money to the Angels, and the Angels gave up uh, Will Wilson, who was their first round pick. Just a few months prior. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, you really don't see that happen very often. We were feet away because at that point we were only streaming at the time. Now we can say we're on video. Uh, We were down there. Our booth was right next to the Yes Network. And when it got announced that Garrett Cole, we were right there when Garrett Cole, it was announced. We were right next to the Yes people. And that's when, as much as Cody wants to get on my friends from New York, because there was an, another MLB Now. You know we love MLB Network. MLB Now did a whole thing on Aaron Judge today. And, of course, it's all the New York-centric stuff. They're a different level. Like, when you go down to the winter meetings, there's only one team, one, that has a full television set 
right next to A's Cast Live. We're the only – we the, – the Padres station was there, and the only reason they were there was because it was a home game for them. We were the only other – so that's one team. They're the home team. So I really don't think they count, but they were there. We were the only other team, us and the Yankees. We were the only road teams that were there doing a full-on thing. It was the A's and the Yankees. We had A's cast live. They had a full television set. <laughs> it was a te- – It was a. we had our thing like, like you see here. We had our thing and A's cast, and we had our deal, and we're there. They had a legitimate television set inside this convention center. It was the full-on Yes Network thing. It was all the cameras. It was all the lights. They had how many? What they have like six personalities there. Yeah, it was like, well, they're the Yankees. I, I, you know what it showed you? The it's the Yankees and everybody else. I think I saw Aaron Boone go on there more than some of the analysts did. Aaron Boone was seemed like Aaron Boone was on there every day. Yeah, the manager of the Yankees, he better show up. Well, because remember, the Yankees own the Yes Network. Yeah. They bought back in at that point. And, uh, yeah, the manager of the Yankees, you can't even get managers to show up. For local beat writers, you betcha, Aaron Boone. Because you know why? You know what the Yankees understand? Branding. Yankees understand branding. They understand what their brand means. It means money. So you know what they did? As Cody just said, we're going to pay all this money to have our shows live in San Diego. And they were on multiple times a day. They fired up the machine multiple times a day. Who was there? The old catcher. Um, God, he played for the Padres. He played for the Giants. Flaherty. I think that's right. Jack Curry was there. Meredith Morakovitz was there. There's a bunch of them there, right? They fired up that Yes Network step multiple. We'd be sitting there, and they'd fire The lights went on, the camera and everything. It's the Yes Network. And you're right. You think Aaron Burn? You think Aaron Boone wanted to keep going out there to do it? You got managers and general managers and all these people who do not want to talk to their to their to the people who are there covering their team because everybody's beat writers are there. Everybody's there. They're in the lobby. They're trying to get the stories. You bet your tushy, Aaron Boone came out every day to talk to the Yes Network because they get it. Because the Yankee brand is being watched worldwide. And guess what? You're the manager of the Yankees. You better get your ass up on that set, and you better dance every day. Get up there and perform. Let's go. This is a performance. This is a machine. We're at the winter meetings, making deals, what's going on. Because the first couple times, because that was, that was I don't even know why you got me all fired up, plus the coffee's kicking in. Uh, the, 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 um, the cold deal was late in the meetings. Yeah. So they're bringing on Aaron Boone every day going, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? I mean, he had nothing to say, and they still brought him. I, that's where I have the ultimate respect for the Yankees. They treat The Yankees are like a football team. They're like an NFL team. NFL team is always pumping out news every day. Yankees pump out news every day. Everybody else wants nothing to do with their media when they're at the winter meetings. They avoid them like the plague. The Yankees? Everybody's getting on that Yes Network set. Where's the winter meetings coming up this year? Do you know? I'd have to look. How uh, much you want to bet the Yes Network will be there? Oh, they'll be, yeah, they'll be there. How much you want to bet there'll be at least 15 Yankee writers there? Well, this is a big one, too, because they could lose Aaron Judge this offseason. Ooh. Maybe to the – it says the winter meetings will be held in San Diego. We're going back? That's easy. 
Because what was the one I was worried about? Well, the one was in Dallas. Dallas. It was the oh, one, yeah. the 2021 was supposed to be in Dallas. There was one in Nashville. Yeah, that would have been fun. Would have been fun. It's just much easier. Southwest San Diego. Boom. This weekend, we honored the 1972 World Series champion, Oakland Athletics. He was 25 years old. He wasn't known nationally, but after that World Series, everybody knew the name Gene Tennis. World Series MVP. I caught up with him after the festivities. So it's great to see you again. You, you look fantastic, and I've got to think a celebration like this is so special to hang out with guys who mean so much to you. If this is after 50 years, yeah, it's good. It's nice to be standing upright, but uh, it's good to see. Which, you know, we're missing a few guys, but uh, they couldn't make it. And, of course, Bando, you know, with his situation, very disappointing uh, and sad. But it's the guys that are here, you know, it's fun to you know, reminisce about some stuff back in those days. Yeah, and, you know, we talked about it earlier with all the guys that, you know, if you're going to win three in a row, you got to win the first one. And just when you think back where you were at your career, thinking about the Cincinnati Reds, and obviously there was a lot of things going on with you and there was some scares there. So just when you think back of that World Series experience in 72, what was it like? Well, it was a tremendous experience. You know, uh, unfortunately uh, for me, I was a backup catcher. I didn't I – didn't, Start becoming the. I didn't become the uh, regular catcher until middle of August, and then uh, I don't know what happened with Duncan and uh, and, and Dick Williams, but anyway, he put me behind the plate, and the rest is you know pretty much history. But you know, you get out there, and you know, I've I've been here in the bullpen as a backup catcher for two years with these guys, so I had a good idea, you know, what we had, and uh, and then I just went out there and tried to do my job. Well, your job was pretty good. What was like? What was life like after beating the Cincinnati Reds and you having that huge series? You know, it was pretty hectic. You know, as far as uh, you know, going to different functions and banquets and the rubber chicken circuit. But you know, it, it, that was the main thing. It was the fact that it was really hectic because uh, my phone never stopped ringing. You know. Which was a first for me, <laughs> but uh, it was it was kind of I, I you know I enjoyed it, and then you know then once it was over with and you know then I got back to uh, getting in shape and getting ready for spring training. You know I think about you know when, when when you reminisce about the good old days, a lot of the real fun stories, and we had a, for everybody who. We doesn't know. We had a season ticket holder event earlier today, and one of the fun things you talked about getting on the mule and Charlie O the mule. There's so many fun things that you know are not going to come up in the media. But how much of those things, those stories, come up in a day like this when you all get together? <laughs> Quite often, <laughs> but you know it's fun to be able to, you know, like uh, Epstein talking about him and Reggie getting the, you know, the scuffle there in, in, in Arlington and. Uh, the funny thing is, you know, you look back on all those things and you go, wow. Man. And I just happened to come back in the clubhouse when there was nobody in there. And I just happened to see it and I just, you know, took off and tried to do the best I could to bring it, break it up. But, yeah, you know, just to sit around and reminisce about not only that, you know, off the field stuff or in the clubhouse stuff, but the, the way we played as a group. And, and I think uh, Steve up there said it best, you know, we had, we had our issues off the field but once we got between the white lines you would have never know we had a problem 
I mean, it was, it was just amazing how these yeah, guys could come together and play as one unit. You know, the great answer is no comment when when you get asked. Yeah, you know, that's a big, yeah, that's usually a big, uh, a big question is no comment. But, you know, you look back on it, I mean... When you when you when you talk about this this wall club, we're the only organization. Two, there's only one other organization that's done this. And of course, they've done it a few times. Was the Yankees, and then for us to do it, and nobody else has done it yet. It's mind-boggling. It gives you an idea how difficult it is to win. Not only win them one, that's tough enough, but to win three in a row. I mean, it's just unheard of. I mean, there's been organizations won two. Like Cincinnati. Uh, when I was with Toronto, we went back to back. Yeah. As when I was there as a coach in uh, 92, 93. Couldn't get that third one, though. That's how tough it is. I mean, the competition is that good, you know, up here. Yeah, people don't realize it doesn't matter what sport it is. Like the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Stanley Cup final is trying to go for three in a row. I mean, just winning one, you can talk about a golfer or a tennis player winning one major, and you talk about winning multiple ones and doing it in back-to-back years is just unreal. But let's end on this because I want you to obviously have the time with all your buddies and all the families. You talked about catching this staff, and one thing our, our, our good friend Ray Fossey always talked to me about is that A's won championships because of pitching and defense. That's why you guys won. And you talk about this staff, just how special the pitching staff was and how it carried you guys. Well, it's the best staff, you know, uh, that I ever caught. And I played almost 15 years and uh, with four different organizations, three other different organizations. I was with the Cardinals in 82. We had a nice club. We won that world championship. But they couldn't compare. The pitching couldn't compare. But uh, Ray's 100% right. Our... Our strength was our pitching and defense. The thing about our defense is our pitching was good, really good, but our defense made him even better. And uh, that's the best way I can describe our ball club because we thrived on pitching and defense. We only had one 300 hitter. That was Joe Rudy. And, but we had a lot of clutch hitting guys. I'm going to tell you, just love to grind out of bats and try to do whatever, you know, whatever they could to, you know, two out RBIs were amazing. We had Bando and Jackson and, and other guy up and down, uh, Epstein, up and down that lineup, you know, Campy setting the table for these guys. You know, even Dick Green pitching in, you know, uh, at the bottom of the order. So, you know, we had a club that, you know, uh, enjoyed winning. I, I, I called a group of guys, 25 guys with great makeup. Had a little talent, but had great makeup. And great make, and me, to me, makeup is, covers a lot of intangibles. You know, mental toughness. I don't think I've ever been on a club with 25 guys with mental toughness. These guys... There was no way that these guys felt like they were going to get beat by anybody. They were going to find a way to beat you. That's pretty much how it went with us. But our pitching was our strength. There's no question about it. And our defense, I don't think, got enough of credit because they were that good. And I'm surprised that they didn't get a lot of credit. Well, I'll tell you what, speaking of clutch, no one was more clutch than you in the 1972 World Series. You're an A's legend. It's always great to have you on the program and in tr- truly enjoy a moment like this because I know it means so much to you guys to get together because you are a bunch of brothers. Yeah, you got to enjoy. You don't know how many more of these you're going to have left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's real. 
and you hate to say it, but it's very obvious because one of the things that we talked with a lot of them about was about uh, our beloved Ray Fossey, who would play with these guys and then 73 and 74. But, yeah, you're not kidding. I mean, these guys are are happy to be alive. You know, Sal Bando had a stroke. I believe that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you know, I mean, they've lost a lot of their brothers. A lot, you know, there's quite a few of the players from that team that passed away. So, like they said, we don't, we don't know how many more of these. Like, is this going to happen again next year for 73 and then next year for 70, then the year after that for 74? I don't know. But, yeah, just the fact that every one of them said it, too. So, tomorrow you're going to hear Vida. And then, God, I keep thinking today's Monday. So, today's Tuesday. So, Wednesday, Vida. Thursday, the Hall of Famer, Raleigh Fingers. Correct. So, if you didn't hear him over the weekend, I played him in the uh, A's Total Access show. So, we're replaying him because odds are a lot of you didn't get to hear it. Uh, so, Gene Tennis, the World Series MVP today. Tomorrow, Vita Blue, and then on Thursday, the Hall of Famer, one of the greatest pitchers of all time, can make the case greatest reliever of all time. And that will be Raleigh Fingers on Thursday. And all three of them. But I got to be around all of them. But in the three interviews, they all talk about, hey, we're luck. We're, we're all knock on wood. We're all here. This group's here right now. You know, and they've lost some people, and it's sad, and – they're happy, you know. They're ha- you know happy to be alive. Whether you're 75, 78, 82, what you know, guys are happy. You know, d- they're happy to be recognized in their family and everything. But they're you know they're happy to be here and be able to still do this. And I thought it was, uh, I-, I think from Dave Cavill, Catherine Aker, everybody down, uh, great job, great job. What we were able to do to celebrate these guys, I know it means a lot. Probably will always mean a lot. But I think as they get older. It just, you know, it means something for them to see each other because otherwise these guys wouldn't see each other. It's true, and, and uh, it was great actually getting to see a lot of these guys in person because I've never got a chance to meet them. And getting to meet Raleigh because uh, we had that huge discussion. La- well, it was probably last year where we went off for like an hour discussing why we think Raleigh is a better reliever uh, all time than the great Mariano Rivera. Uh, so it was great to meet Let's Raleigh. go on New York radio and do this. Uh, you think they would agree with us? Um, they'd probably be like, who's Raleigh Fingers? Uh, we only know Mariano Rivera, John Wetland, and uh, Aroldis Chapman, and now Clay Holmes. They only care about Yankee relief. What about Goose Gossage? Only care about Yankee. Well, okay. He was pretty good, too. Oh, wow. Did I just throw you for that's, a loop there? That's, a, that's A's legend, Goose Gossage. Don't you forget. Were you there on Saturday? Yeah. What, what were you doing? I don't remember. I don't really remember you being you know, there. Who, who do you think set up the interview with Raleigh? Oh, you went over grab Raleigh. Yeah, Thanks. I, 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 I talked to Raleigh. I put a nice video out on Twitter about Raleigh talking about becoming going from. I got to go into the room with a bunch of them and get Gene Tennis while they're all sitting there hugging each other. <laughs> I got to get Gene Tennis. You, you're, you're getting Raleigh after he does a TV thing. And he's by himself. Oh uh, no, Raleigh didn't do TV just yet. But you, but Vida's. I had to do the legwork. Vida's your good friend, so that was easy for Vida's, you. Vida's Vida's wonderful. I I can't get enough of Vita Blue. Vita Blue is such a – he was cool then. He's cool now. You can't teach cool. He's the great Vita Blue. There's no no getting around it. Even at 70, I don't know how old he is, Vita Blue's still the coolest guy in the room, When it, even though know, he's like, seven, what, 75, 76? I probably should look it up. Uh, you 
I'll give you this because our fans might not know this, but on this date, 1966, the A's drafted who the number two overall pick. Okay, am I going to do this for the third inning hit? If you want, why not? Yeah, because Vida, so, I, I aged Vida. <laughs> Excuse me. Vida is 72. He's only 72. He said this multiple times, by the way, during the event on Saturday. I was the youngest player on the team. In 1972, Vida was the youngest of all the Oakland A's. Yeah, he would have been 23. 12, 24 that year. And was a rock star. Because remember, 71, MVP, Cy yeah. Young. He's on every magazine. He was on every talk show. He's going on like Ed Sullivan and doing all those. They used to have these things that were really popular that were called late-night talk shows. They still have them now, but nobody watches them. Wow, shots fired to Kimmel and uh, Fallon and – Whoever else is on late? Like James Corbin, is that his name? Corden? I don't. I don't know. I don't watch it. He's late, late. Yeah, that's true. What up to the days of Conan O'Brien and uh, Johnny Carson, yeah. Yeah. David Letterman? Uh, Jay you're, thinking, Leto. you're thinking of Colbert. Who did I you, say? You didn't say Colbert. You said James Corden. He's no, late, no, he late. no, he does the show. He's the guy that, like sings as uh, car. Character. I know he's late, yeah. late. Oh, he's I, not. I, he's not a part of the prime. I, for, time. I forgot. I forgot. Cor, uh, Corbert's on there. There's the prime time. Then there's the guys who are on after the prime time guys. So your generation, does, you don't even know who Johnny Carson is. I do. You never even heard of him. He's just he was some old guy on TV. <laughs> some old guy. <laughs> Literally, maybe the most popular television guy of all time. You know, he hosted the Oscars like back when people watched the Oscars. He hosted like eight times. You know, it's fun. It was favorite guy. Every star was intimidated by Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson was the man. Do you, do you know who one of his favorite guests of all time is? Uh, he had a lot, but well, go. The great Bob Euchre has been on there more times than 40 most. Forty something times yeah. or something like that. It's incredible. Baseball broadcasters on there. Coming up next, we're heading to Hotlanta. We are going to talk to a great Oakland A. And will always be a great Oakland A. Just so happens right now is a nice shiny World Series ring with the Atlanta Braves. With the Atlanta Braves? The Atlanta Braves. We're talking to our man Ron Washington next, right here on A's Cast Live. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. All right, before we get to Wash, are you ready to promote? I am, and it's actually a pretty sweet hat. Um, now, we did the AAPI hat uh, for May, but now we have the, the hat you're going to get on June 17th. Show your pride and celebrate Glen Burke Pride Night at the ballpark on June 17th. Five dollars $5 from every ticket sold will benefit the Oakland LGBTQ Center, whose mission is dedicated to enhancing and sustaining the well-being of the LGBTQ plus individuals, their families, and allies by providing educational, social, and health-related activities, programs, and services. Early arriving fans can get a commemorative Glen Burke Pride Night hat presented by Gilead as, as the A's take on the Royals. 
Tickets are available at athletics.com slash tickets. That's athletics.com slash tickets. We want to thank Gilead for being the sponsor. It's, I think it's a great-looking hat. The underbill is awesome, just like the AAPI hat we had. Wait a minute. I think we still have it in here, right? Yeah. That's a great thing about the new TV studio is we can have it all. And I'm going to say this. As someone that has been around a lot of freebies all my years working in baseball and in sports, these are actually really well made. No offense to all the old freebie hat makers, but they were terrible. This is one you're talking about right here. Yeah, that's the AAPI hat. That was brought to us by Cal State East Bay, yeah. the Pride Night hat. Dude, what freebie hat? I shouldn't say freebie hat. <laughs> See, what hat you got with a ticket had this kind of bill? Like, these they're well made. The old ones fell apart. You're like, kid would take them home. You'd wear them like one day to school and they'd be ripping. Yeah. These things are so well made. I mean, I'm not going to mention who makes them, but I'm going to say you're doing a great job. These are really... They're nice hats. Yeah. Now, remember, you can get this hat on June 17th as the LA. If you got this one, you'll love it. You'll love this one, too. June 17th, Glenn Burke Pride Night at the Coliseum. Brought to you by Gilead. Athletics.com slash tickets. That's athletics.com slash tickets. Right here. And uh, I think what we'll try to do, uh, because we did it last year for Pride Night at the Coliseum, I'll try to get Billy Bean on. No, not that Billy Bean. Billy Bean without any at the end of his name. Billy Bean, who works with the commissioner. We talked with him last year. We did a video with him last Former year. Former so outfielder. Now we can put him on video now uh, and actually have it on video on YouTube. So he's I'll a good player. To, I'll reach out to him and see if he's available to do with us next week. Yeah, I mean, just talking about being be, being gay and being in baseball and, and not being able to live the life that he wanted to live and going through all of that and worried about being judged and how people would view him and probably more importantly, whether people would sign him. You yeah. know what he went through, and he was a he was he was a I mean I mean he wasn't a great player, but he was I mean he was a he was a good player. He was a terrific athlete. See, the problem is when you put in Billy Bean, no matter how you spell it, it comes up our Billy Bean. And by the way, both Billy Beans know each other real well because they played against each other. Yeah, I, I remember Billy Bean, not the A's Billy Bean. This Billy Bean, the works for the commissioner. Mentioning, I thought, last year about how, how him and Billy are close, and they talk about it all the time. Yeah, Tigers, Dodgers, Padres. I think they were on the Tigers together. Was Billy on that? Was I remember they were teammates at one point. S- drafted by the Yankees. Yeah, it was 88 in, Tigers. In 1985, he was drafted by the Yankees. And by the way, can you imagine this? Can you just buy, and, and he played at Loyola Marymount down in Southern California, was in the College World Series in 1986. But I bet his signing bonus when he was drafted by the Yankees felt like a bazillion dollars. Signed for $55,000. That's a lot of money. Right? I mean, it's a lot of money to me now, and, I'm, and this is 2022. I mean, you're a, you're a college kid, and you just got fifty five grand. Here, sign a piece of paper. Welcome to the New York Yankees. All right, earlier today, we had to get Wash on. Are you kidding me? Ron Washington, one of the great coaches in Oakland A's history. He'll always be a organization favorite. Everybody loves Wash. The fan base loves Wash. Just won a World Series with the Atlanta Braves. They're trying to make it two in a row. And he went outside, got in the dugout all by himself. What's the name of their park? Was it Truist Park? 
It's like TR. It's not Turner Field. Yeah, it's like their third ballpark since like 96, essentially, uh, or even before then. But, yeah, it's not Turner Field anymore. It's a new ballpark. It's really nice. Wash a stadium all to himself with us on A's Cast Live. Well, now joining us once again here on A's Cast Live, he's one of the great Oakland A's. He'll always be a part of the Green and Gold family, but now is with the Atlanta Braves as the A's are getting uh, ready to take on the Braves in Atlanta. Ron Washington is with us. Wash, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We are doing fantastic. And, you know, I just got to thank for – what you guys accomplished winning the World Series, and now you're getting your mojo back again, that uh, life down there in the South has to be really good. Yes, it is. You know, um, we've been um, spinning our wheels there at the beginning, but uh, we're finally starting to put things together. We're starting to get some consistency throughout the lineup and in the pitching staff. And one thing we always do, play defense. You know, we got to see pictures of the World Series ring, which uh, so well-deserved, and what a run you guys had. And I know you don't want to focus completely on last year, but just kind of a follow-up on that. What was it like for, for you, the staff, all the players, everybody in the organization, to get those World Series rings? Well, it was a, a tremendous moment because, uh, you know, I've been to two World Series, but it's nothing like winning the World Series, so... Um, it was nice. It was it, the, the, the most amazing thing is how those guys hung together throughout the year when we was uh, trying to get it going. And then once we got it going, uh, we held on to it until the end. And that's really what it's about. Yeah. How important is that for the players to listen to the coaches, to listen to the manager? And when maybe you don't start off great and when, maybe you haven't gotten your mojo yet, to never stop giving it everything because once that light switch flips, everything changes. And I think the Braves of last year are one of the great examples of that. Well, there's no doubt about it. And when you play this game of baseball, you're going to go through ups and downs. And the thing was, we knew we had the capability inside that clubhouse. And as the, as you mentioned, the manager and the coaching staff, uh, we didn't let up. Uh, we kept uh, coming out, going about our business the way we always go about our business. We didn't take anything for granted. We continued to believe in, in each other inside that clubhouse. And as you said, eventually, you know, we got, got our game going. We started playing baseball the way we knew we were able to play baseball and hoped that we had played baseball that way from the beginning. But, you know, in baseball, you can't predict it. You just got to go out between those lines and perform. And um, we just kept working at it and things came together. And um, like you said, that should be a message to anyone early in the year when things aren't going the way you, you would like it to go, but you know you have the capability. Well, everybody, just like last year, uh, we're seeing it this year. Everybody wanted to crown the Mets champs, and all of a sudden you guys have won five straight. Uh, you're coming off a four-game sweep of the Colorado Rockies. You've gotten to that 500 mark and you've gotten the game over it. You've won five in a row. I see you're scoring more runs per game, but what, what's the main reason why the Braves are starting to get hot again? Consistency. Uh, we get more consistency through our starting staff. We're getting the consistency out of our bullpen when they come in and, um, you know, they have to do a job. We get more consistency now from more guys in the lineup uh, with offensively. And, and as I mentioned earlier, 
we never stopped playing defense. So uh, now that we got things going in the lineup uh, with more than two guys, we got four or five guys now that start to swing the bat the way they're capable of. And now we're starting to get the, the innings out our starting pitcher, um, you know, our starting pitchers, uh, which makes a difference. Now, instead of having to get five innings out of that bullpen, we might have to get three. We might have to get two. And that's what you need when you want to talk about, uh, you know, being consistent through a year. And as you mentioned, the Mets, uh, they're not the same Mets of the past. They will not collapse. We have to play baseball and catch them. And um, that's the way it's going to be. And now uh, we ready. We, we focused and we're ready to do just that. Wash, you are so speaking to the choir when it comes to innings pitch. That's why we always love talking to you. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, all your years in this game as a player, as a manager, as a coach, uh, you know, these games where you have starters not go very long, then you need to have four, five, six. We'll see seven, eight relievers in a game. The continuity of the game is awful, and the numbers just show the deeper your starter goes, the better chance you have of winning games. Uh, does it scare you the way our team is going? How we just don't like people, the freeze front offices just don't want starters going deep into games. And, you know, that's, that has to change because the only success you're going to have is having your starters go deep in the game. If not your bullpen, I don't care how good they are. They will blow out. Um, you know, they will blow out. Uh, guys need a break here and there. And the only person that can give them that break is the starting pitchers. You know, Matt Olson, who we absolutely love, he's a great person. And happy for him to go back home, sign that big eight-year, $168 million deal with the Braves. But you're replacing an Atlanta legend. Freddie Freeman was so big down there. He was like the next uh, generation, like Chipper Jones was for kids way back when. He was like the new Chipper Jones. Obviously, leaving for L.A. was not easy. Uh, what do you think it's been like for Matt Olson having to try and replace Freddie Freeman, if that's even fair? Well, that's not fair. You know, you're talking about replacing a potential Hall of Famer, a guy who's a, a natural uh, in that batter's box, a guy who's a natural in the clubhouse, a guy who's a natural on the field, period. But if we had to replace Freddie, and it is a replacement. Uh, we couldn't have picked a better guy than Matt Olson. And, um, you know, all we've been preaching to Matt is just be Matt Olson. Whatever Matt Olson gives us is enough. And uh, we love Matt Olson. And, um, you know, he's been tremendous for us. He really has. And he's starting to swing the bat now. You know, for a minute there, it got to him. But he had to realize, just be Matt Olson. Don't try to replace anyone because – I mean, trades happen and, and free agent signs happen um, in this game constantly. And, um, you know, you just have to come and be who you are. And who Matt Olson is, is enough for the Atlanta Braves. You know, when we talk about the greats in the game and you start debating all these different players, if you're hurt, you start getting left out of that conversation. And Acuna's back. I mean, the, the numbers I have is last 10 games, he's hitting 378, bunch of extra base hits, bunch of RBIs. He's got his swagger back. You know how special this young man is. What has that meant for your guys' lineup? What's it meant for the organization to have this great, dynamic young player back? Well, he, he, he creates havoc. 
And, um, you know, uh, having him back and now he's starting to get comfortable and it means a lot to our lineup. It means a lot to our team. I mean, he doesn't only bring that offense uh, when he's in that batter's box. He plays tremendous defense. He got a strong arm. Um, he runs the heck out of the bases. He makes things happen. And um, we certainly need him because we don't have what you might, might call a ton of speed in our lineup. But we do have guys uh, that's capable of doing some things on the base pads. And um, he's the leader in that part of it. So um, it means a lot to us. And I know it means a lot to Ronald because he's like a kid in the candy store right now being able to be back on the field. Well, you mean a lot to the Oakland A's and the Oakland A's mean a lot to you. What is it always like when you look over to that other dugout and you see that A's uniform, which I know means a lot to you? I just want them to be successful, you know, and when you play the game of baseball, it's not the best team that wins. It's the team that played the best that night. And all I want to do is play better than them to the next two nights. But I'm definitely uh, – my heart is always in Oakland. Um, my heart is always there because of the way the fans treated me when I was there, the community, the organization. I owe a lot to them. And I will never, ever forget the Oakland A's. You know, one thing that you'll always be remembered as one of the great coaches in this franchise's history, and I can tell you – uh, Wash, I, I just was the MC for the 1972 reunion and they had the team out there. And when, you know, when you're looking at the greats, you know, like Vita Blue and Reggie Jackson and, and Raleigh Fingers, some of the greatest players of all time. The one thing they always talked about those teams in 72, 73, 74 was defense and pitching. But they always said defense. It's something you've always preached. It's what the greatest teams have always been good at. Now that the A's are kind of in a rebuild mode, as a coach, how important is it? Everybody wants to talk home runs, launch angles, strikeouts, but how important is to preach every day the fundamentals for these players to help get them better when they are having a losing season? Well, the fundamentals is the key because you always have something to fall on when things don't go right. So you have to be fundamentally sound. Um, you may not have the personnel sometimes to compete with people, but – if you're playing the game right, you're respecting the game, you're respecting yourself about how you go about your business, uh, you'll be surprised the results you can get. And the only problem I have today with, with our youth is they want sudden result. And results is, is created by a process. You have to go through a process. And my process has always been, ever since I've been in the game, even when I was with Oakland, let's pitch and let's catch the ball and let's see what happened on the offensive side. We're not making our offense the main goal. Our main goal got to be how well we can pitch the ball and how well we can pick up the outs that are outs. And um, that's the key right there. And, you know, Oakland always uh, supplied pitching. So they definitely have some good arms. Now the people behind them got to make sure when they put that ball in play as an out, we turn it into an out. And that has to be preached and preached and preached and preached. You know, there's priorities in this game. And for me, it's pitching and defense. Well, you're not going to be able to be here later this summer. We're going to honor a team that you were a big part of, the 2002 A's. Obviously, the win streak, it then led to a best-selling book, which then led to a movie that you were portrayed <laughs> in that was uh, up for an Oscar. When you think about 2002, that group of guys you were with, what do you think about when you think about that team? Well, the main thing I think about is the part in that movie 
where Billy had the conversation with David Justice in the cage. They had that conversation. I was riding the bus with the players at the time, and David Justice got on the bus. We was going on that 10-game, I was going on a 10-game road trip, and he said, fellas, we should come back off this road trip 9-1. We came back 10-0. We came home for a seven-game uh, homestand, and he said, we should end this, this homestand 6-1. and one. We ended up 6-6, six and six, and, and then we won four more after that. But uh, that's the one thing I think about the most because that was reality. That wasn't something that was made up. That conversation was, was had. And you think about the terrific players that that you guys had, and, and and a player that during that during that winning streak had so many big hits. You helped mold his game. You helped turn him into an MVP. Talk about Miguel your, Tejada. <laughs> talk about talk about your relationship with Miggy and, and and how you worked with him. And boy, in O2, there really not too many people in the history of this game have played better and bigger than he did in that year. Talented, very talented. Um, once again, we had to slow him down. We had to make him understand that this is a process. You go through it day by day. You take the ups and downs with it. You learn from the downs. And Miggy was a prime example of that. Uh, you know, the whole team was, you know. Uh, we, we would pitch and catch the ball, and then we would get a big hit. And the money ball situation, you know, it was about on-base percentages and stuff like that. But, but we had Molda, Hudson, and Zito. They were never mentioned. <laughs> you know, so it was, once again, uh, we did what we did in 202. And because of the pitching that we had, those guys would go out there and give us a chance every night. And we went a game with one swing at a bat, with four hits, with three hits. One swing at a bat late, we win it. And it was because our pitching staff kept us in the game. So I'm a, definitely a big proponent of good pitching and good defense, and as long as baseball is in existence, I will be a proponent of good pitching and defense. Well, I don't care if the A's are playing the Braves. You have meant so much to us here on A's Cast Live and what you have meant to this organization, and whether it's Walt Weiss or it's Matt Olson, we're going to be pulling for you guys down there because uh, once an A, always an A. We always appreciate your time. You be well, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, and I just want to say I love the Bay Area, and I love the Oakland A's. Thank you. The man is an A. I mean, come on. I get it. He works for the Braves. I get it. He left the A's because he got the opportunity to be a manager and fulfill a dream and everything. But can we just admit the guy's an Oakland A? If there was any place he would want to be long-term, and I know at some point he's going to retire coming up here in a little bit. But this is the place he loves. This is the organization organization he loves. I mean, come on. He's like everyone else. He'll probably be an A for the end. <laughs> end of his career. No, that was that he had his last run, but it was, you know. Are we sure? I don't who knows? Oh, he, I don't, but maybe, I maybe would, he's the Ricky and Jed Lowry of coaches. He just keeps coming back. I think he wants to be closer to home, but you know, in the end. Wash is fabulous. And you think about Moneyball and the fact that if it wasn't for Scott Hatterberg, the A's would have never meant, never amounted to anything in 2002. Scott Hatterberg, 
Who? Exactly. Sounds like an Oakland A already. Sounds like an Oakland A already. (laughs) Do not look at my screen. Okay. Okay? Look straight ahead. Look straight ahead. How many games in 2002? Wait a minute. Okay. You know what? I'm going (laughs) to. Hold on. Hold on. Scott Hatterberg. Now, if you read the book Moneyball or watched the movie, you'd think the A's in 2002 were, were basically built on Scott Hatterberg, right? Yeah, pretty much. Him and Giambi and, and David Just, Old Man Justice, as they and, call him in the movie. Nah, that, that, but in the book, who was, the, who was the, the reliever? Oh, Chad Bradford. Chad Bradford and Scott Hatterberg. Without them, the 2002 Oakland A's, they don't win 103 games, right? 103 games? That was a pretty good team. All right. How many games do not look, do not look, you'll know he's cheating. Like, I wish I could put the hat. The The Glenberg Pride Night hat, which you get on June 17th. How many games did Scott Hatterberg play? In, in 2002. Hold on, I'm going to play this first. Do you want me to speak? When I point at you, yeah. Um, 97. Scott Hatterberg played in 136. Okay. How many games did the great Miguel Tejada? Did he play in all of them? 162? 162. Remember, he had the longest yeah, active. Streak, yeah, Couple walk offs. Has anybody? Has anybody? Kind of, is he like the the last of the Cal Ripken esque era people to have a? He's got to be the last guy with a long streak because, I mean, rightfully so, you don't play guys every day anymore. But for, I guess would say he's the last modern day player with a long streak. Yes, uh, he went one thousand one hundred fifty two days. It started June second of two thousand. And one away from June 21st of All right, 2007. keep going down the list. Who's the next? I mean, Dale Murphy would be modern day. Obviously, There's, Garvey was up there. He the was great, modern day. The great Prince Fielder went 547. How about our man, friend of the program, Sandy Alomar Jr. played in 648 straight. Yeah, it looks like it'd be. Uh, but the last big last big streak was Miguel Tejada. Yeah, I mean, I mean Prince Fielder went 547. All right. How many home runs? Scott Hatterberg hit that home run. Ooh. How many home runs did Hatterberg hit? 15. How many did Miggy hit? 39. 34. But was I right on the 15 for Hatterberg? Yeah. Hatterberg, you just researched Hatterberg. Hatterberg. Yeah. <laughs> what was Hatterberg's OPS? Uh, Surprisingly. 787. 807. Miggy's was 861. Let's see. I'll give you Miggy's numbers. 308. This is a shortstop. 308, 861 OPS. Hit 308, 34 bombs, 134 RBIs. You like OPS plus. True, I do. 128. Okay, he's above league average. MVP. That's that's most valuable player. I've thought about that. Where are we going to – We should, should we put up my grandfather's MVP trophy? Maybe we should put a table here and put it on there. But my NBC hit I do here. Oh. You wouldn't see it. Yeah. How about stick it just right on the table? Yeah, just put it in front of you every time. 
but I don't want to break. I, so my grandfather, if you don't know, was the MVP of the National League in 1947. First third baseman ever to be the MVP in baseball. Bob Elliott, 1947. Look it up. Seven-time All-Star. I think they have him for eight All-Star games, though, because I know one he had a broken nose because he got hit in the face. All right. You look at the numbers. Miguel Tejada is one of the main reasons. You know how many hits Tejada had that year? Uh, 189. Well, Hatterberg had 138. Okay, so over 200, 215. 204. Your shortstop had over 200 hits, 30 bombs, over 100 RBIs, played every game, and he had massive big hits during the winning streak. Massive. Yeah, 18 and 19. Games wins 18 and 19 were the two big ones uh, with Ken Korak's close. I'm, this th- is really good. Mandy Velarde at second. Ray Durham A young Ken Korak. Very young. And Gardano deals. And it's a drive to left field deep. Jones going back. Looking up. It is gone. It's gone. Tahana wins it. Do you believe it? 18 wins in a row. So there's there's when they won their 18th one in a row, as you heard. By the way, is that as loud for everybody out there as it is in our headphones? Yeah, it was pretty, Jesus. It was pretty loud. And so that happened. And then he had a walk-off the next day, I believe, too. Uh, here we go. So they have Sweeney, Tucker, and Ordaz on the right side. And Perez playing at shortstop. And over now at third base is Alisea. And Miguel Tejada is up for the A's. And wouldn't this be fitting? And the MVP champ. One out, bases loaded. Two outfielders. Ibanez and Beltran playing shallow. Five infielders. One out, ninth inning, and a 6-6 tie. Grimsley ready. He deals. And it's a line drive, base hit, center field. Greg Myers scores from third. Tejada wins another ball game. 19 straight for the Athletics. They've tied the all-time American League record. So there's there's number 19. Do we need to play 20 or should we Yeah, uh, you got Bill King. Uh, Paging Bill King. Where? Crazy. Just plain crazy. You got to give me a second. There's multiple ones. And in he here. says to John Madden, get your big butt off the field. <laughs> Atterberg has a career home run off Grimsley. He's one for five when they've matched up with each other. This year, Hatterberg in pinch hitting rolls is uh, one for five. One for five. 269 average. Has gone deep a dozen times. Now the pitch. Swung on. There's a high drive. Hit way back. Right center field. That one is gone. And it's 20 consecutive victories for the Oakland Athletics on an unbelievable night when they lost an 11 to nothing lead, and now they win it. Hedeberg is mobbed at home plate. The crowd comes back to insane life. Crazy. Just plain crazy. How do you explain it? All right, Hatterberg, what did he say he was hitting, 260 what? 269, I believe. He ended up at 280. So, after that hit, Hatterberg got hot. You yeah. raise your batting average 17 points. 
Yeah, and this is September 4th this happened. Crazy. Just plain crazy. Bill King has some of just the great one-liners. Like, some of his Raiders stuff is – I mean, I – the Warriors stuff is great, but the stuff that we have archived, A's, Raiders, I mean, some of it's just awesome. I've heard some of the the uh, uh, the Holy Roller. Old Man Willie. Yeah, like there's so many. <laughs> there are a lot of good ones. Who calls a Kyle? Bill King. It's the Super Bowl. He's calling Old Man Willie. It's the Super Bowl. I mean, it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. So Miggy, I think I think I want to say Miguel Tejada played a little bit of the role of the O2. Uh, A's being a 103-win first-place team. I know it's all Hatterberg and Bradford and, you know, Justice and Old Man Justice. Is there the Old Man Justice in there? Uh, I don't have that. I don't have that drop, I don't think. But You I don't mean, have Old Man Justice? No. You got to get that. I, Folks, all you need to do is go to YouTube, put in Moneyball Scouts. Scout scene. And just the <laughs> scout scene is the best part. You don't even need the rest of the movie. Eh, just watch the scouts. Uh, okay. It's the best. Before we go. Um, and Billy Bean said, what did Billy Bean say on this program? The great Billy Bean said that in real life, the talk of the scouts is even way better than in the movie. That's that's true. He did say that. You, you mean like drops like this? They got a little hair on their ass. Got an ugly girlfriend. What's that mean? Ugly girlfriend means no confidence. Who's Fabio? You don't put a team together with a computer, Billy. You butcher the first. He throws the club head at the ball, and when he connects, it he drives it. It pops off the bat. You can hear it all over the ballpark. <laughs> what does that mean? This one. I like guys like that. They got a little hair on their ass. Yeah, I mean, when I'm looking at a player, I like I like I like a guy's got a little hair on his ass. Oh, uh, how about this one? Another thing, no more stealing. That's what I do. That's what you pay me to do. No, I pay you to get on first, and I get thrown out a second. This is a process. It's a process. It's a process. (laughs) And with all that said, uh, you had the big three, and you had Miguel Tejada. Uh, Yeah, uh, Barry Zito real quick. Uh, 23-5, and a 2.75 ERA and 35 starts, 182 strikeouts, and and 229 in a third inning. Yes, he was the Cy Young winner that year. But you don't know about that if you – Watch Moneyball. So, so if you watch this movie that was up for an Oscar and it's a best-selling <laughs> book, you have the MVP, you have the Cy Young Award, and neither guy is ever mentioned. Neither. Neither. What are you, we talking about then? You won 103 <laughs> games. You've got the MVP, which is for the best player in the league, and the Cy Young Award for the best pitcher in the league, and neither one is mentioned because as long as you have Hatterberg and Bradford, you're fine. I, Scott Hatterberg. Who? <laughs> Sounds like an Oakland A already. <laughs> now you know why we always say that. Uh, you ready to buying or selling? We got time today, right? Uh, we have like, a, like I don't know, a couple minutes. Have you checked the weather in Hot Atlanta? I heard there, there's, there's rain in the forecast, but they're going on as scheduled right now. You know who was just in Atlanta? You. I was just in Atlanta. Uh, but, yes, we can do one buying or selling, so let me get the open. There is one I want to ask you. What? It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. So, I'm not I'm not, uh, I'm not. not moving to Atlanta. 
Uh, I've never been there. My aunt lives in Savannah, but I, I've never been to Atlanta. I hear Savannah's nice. I heard it is not nice. moving there. Uh, yeah, well, I'm not gonna move there either. No way am I heading. Uh, I wouldn't live there. Okay, so uh, and I base that off, I I base that off uh, being uh, as someone who's very lucky and has been to a lot of places. I've been to a lot of places. Atlanta's yeah. not one. Atlanta's not one of them. I'm, I've been uh, I've been to the airport a lot. Yeah, it. it's a ma- it, it is a well oiled machine that airport. I think it might be the busiest airport in, in the country. Oh, they've got the the rent a cars. It, it, it's you got to take a tram out to rent a car world. I mean, they got their own world out there. Oh, and so- then they got all the hotels around the rent a car. It, it's a well. I got to say this. Atlanta airport is a well oiled machine. All right, so I'm going to ask you this one quickly. Am I living there? The Phillies fired Joe Girardi last week. What? When did that happen? And since then, I don't think they've lost the game. They've won four in a row. I think it's three in a row or four in a row. They went on to sweep the Angels, who've now lost 12 straight. Uh, I put in here, Joe Madden might be on the hot seat. and Many don't expect him to return. Fired. But Joe Madden fired today. Fired earlier today, though. So, Joe Madden out. Uh, Perry Manassian. I can't remember his Perry name. Perry now has. Manassian. Now has uh, Phil Nevin as the uh, interim manager. The great Phil that. One of the greatest college baseball players of all time, Phil Nevin, who did make a couple all-star teams, I want to say, with the Padres. But Joe Madden could be managing again next season. What about the aforementioned Phillies? They need someone. And Joe Madden is from Eastern Pennsylvania. Joe Madden's done. Buying or selling, Joe Madden will be the Phillies' next manager. Joe Madden is done. I think he's still going to manage again. I would bet against that. How old is Joe Madden? 65. Dusty Baker still managing. So is I this the article. That is yep. there going to be another cheating scandal? And you need a guy that's going to be the guy everybody in baseball likes, and he's going to be able to help defuse the issue because that's the only reason why Dusty has his job. The uh, the names that were in the article that I was reading. Every every guy who has his job right now, who is an older manager, that I totally respect, but. There's only one reason why Tony LaRusse has his job. There's only one reason, uh, reason Dusty Baker has his job. What about Buck? What about him? He's old. They, they just wanted an adult in the room. That's what, what the Mets needed. I'll, okay, I'll give you that. Why would you hire Joe Madden who just, oh, it's the dream job and got fired? He's True. been run out of two big primetime jobs. Both times he had high payrolls. He had a high payroll in Chicago. He had a high payroll in Anaheim. It's not like he was asked to, to turn the Pirates around. Whoa. Why, why are you? They're already on their way. Why are you going to hire him? He's not man, I, uh, not managing again, I'll bet you. Well, Who would hire him? Well, the list that they I saw in The Athletic earlier, they had they had Madden on there, but they also had Brad, who? They had Brad Osmus on there for the Phillies. Also, because of his connection with Dave Dombrowski. Yeah. Also, Mike Sosha. So she's from Pennsylvania as well. I I don't know. I mean, if you want to hire an How old man, is Joe Man? 65. I would have swore he's even closer to 70. I'll just double check, make sure that he is 65. Joe Madden is uh, – oh, sorry. My mistake, 68. Yeah, that's what I was like. He's I think closer s- to 70. This is it for him. And you know what? Good for Joe Madden that Joe Madden is going to ride off into the sunset and made a ton of money. And he's had a great baseball career. Yeah, he won a World Series. He ended the coast of the... The GOAT. There you go. But I'm not... 
I'm not. I don't think he manages again. And by the way, how old is Buck Showalter? Sixty. I think he's sixty-five. Might have just turned sixty-six. I think I got their ages confused. Yeah, he's Buck, sixty-six. Yeah, he just turned sixty. And by the way, we'll see. He hasn't won anything yet. True. Buck Showalter is a great builder, but he's never technically won anything. Yeah, he built the he's Diamondbacks. Good, and he's good at built. He built the Yankees. Yeah. Now, yeah, before George, Joe Torre, it was Buck Showalter building that thing. Buck Showalter knows how to build a minor league system. He's just not the guy that you say, we're going to tell you what to do and manage these 25 guys. It's now 26. Buck knows how to help you build your minor league system. I mean, he's actually pretty brilliant from a – it's almost like he'd be the ultimate consultant. You bring Buck in to, like, look, the D-back. He built the D-backs. He, he's the one that built the organization. And they eventually won the World Series. So, I think he'd be a great consultant. Now, he just wants to be a field manager. But, I don't know. What do what, I know? What, 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 do, what do him and Joe Madden share in common? Buck Showalter and Joe Madden? Yeah. There's a specific stat that they share in common. No idea. They both are the only managers to ever walk a guy with the bases loaded. Buck did it to One Barry guy Bond. was Barry Bonds. The other guy's Corey Seager. Whoa, 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 whoa. Joe Madden did it to Josh Hamilton as well. Our left-handed batters. That's uh, all they're tied together, in my opinion, the rest of my life. Will somebody give him a job? I don't know. but Maybe he goes back and becomes a consultant with when's Cashy. His, when's his birthday? When does he turn 69? No, not until February. So... Next year, if he was hired, he'd be 69. So, let's say he takes a year off, then he's going to be 70. I doubt he'll manage again. Yeah, I think the consultant role, maybe. Cashy brings him back. Good feel-good story for Tampa. Remember, there was this there was this debate, and we have this debate all the time. Old school, new school. Can you do the met? Can you do the analytics? It's not even analytics. Can you take the technology and do it with the old school teaching? Can you do both? And he claimed he could. Obviously, it didn't work. I mean, you're getting fired from having Trout and Otani. And Rendon. Well, you never really had Rendon. Yeah, he never plays, but he's on the team. And by the way, you're get, as, you're, as you're leaving, Trout and Otani are really struggling. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough way for him to go out. 12-game losing streak. And When it was celebrated, oh, he's back. Someone that was on the staff last time we won the World Series. Oh, everything's fixed in Disneyland. He was walking down Main Street, arm in arm with Mickey and Minnie. Welcome back home. Of course, I'm I'm embellishing. And he's like, ah, oh, where's Walt Disney? I mean, he was he was coming back to save Orange County. He was like the king of Orange County. Remember when he got hired? Yes. Yes, they're really not the Los Angeles, by the way, and they're going to do the. Los Angeles theme connect yes. jerseys, which makes me want to throw up. They're Orange County. Orange County is not Los Angeles. I just remember his press conference where he, he said, we got a, a good bunch of dudes yeah. in the front office. He's so, you know, for his age, he's so hip and cool. He is. I'll give him that. I don't know, man. I think he's I think he's kind of arrogant. And it a caught up bit. with no, him. I, we, I read the exchange with him and Sam. And Bob I'm wondering, I, how, did, how, how does he, and one of the true great strengths of Bob Melvin is being able to manage up and manage down. You got to manage down to the players, but you got to manage up to the front office and the owner. Can you do both? Right? The difference between Mark Jackson, oh, I'll take it to the Warriors. Steve Kerr and Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson couldn't manage up. He was awful at it. Where Steve Kerr's brilliant at it. 
Got to be able to manage up and manage down. We don't know. Obviously, managing up didn't work in Chicago. Something happened. Yeah. Well, remember, when you hire David Ross, you're not hiring a puppet. So they moved on from him, had no problem, and then now the Angels have moved. How long was he even manager of the Angels? His first year was 2020, I believe. Yeah, so he didn't even get a full season there. I mean, literally, they're running him out in less than – how many games – did he even manage two full seasons, games-wise? Now, obviously, 60 games because of COVID. But how many games did he actually manage? I could be wrong. It could have been 2019 took over. Let's see. His first year – yeah, his first year was with 2020, so he managed 60 games and then 162 and then 56 this year. His record with the Angels was 157 and 70, 172. So he didn't even manage two two full years. No. Think about that. What has to happen? A losing streak's a losing streak. People have them. I get it. But what has to happen to where you're you come in as the savior? We're breaking. Yeah, well, we Ace Hold Access is in a few minutes. What time? Three twenty. Oh, we got time. Um, what has to happen if you're just joining us? Joe Madden relieved of his duties in Anaheim. What has to happen that you come in as a savior? 2020's a wash. You'd be an idiot as an owner or an executive to count 2020 for anything if you're a losing team, right? Winning teams, you build on that. Losing teams, you got a guy coming in, new staff, you have summer camp, playing 60 games, whatever. So literally you gave Joe Madden a year and two months? Yeah. I like to read into things, and I'm reading in there was more to this. If you look back at his record, his last year in Tampa that went 77 and 85, he never had a losing record in Chicago, and then he couldn't win in L.A. And from a, a stretch from 08 to 2014, they every year the Rays were above 500. 97, 84, 96, 91, 90, 92. Then with the Cubs, 97, 103, 92, 95, 84. Then 26, 77, and two games under 27 and 29. But, but think Angels. about this. 2020's a wash. That's his first year. Honeymoon's still going. Comes in, has one full year, and then the next year gets two months and he's gone. Yeah, Something's going on there, right? Wouldn't you say something's going on there? Yeah, there's – remember, also – this guy was the savior. Not even he doesn't even get two full seasons, and he was supposed to be the savior. But who hired? Shouldn't him? the savior, Billy Epler? But but shouldn't the savior who hired Buck Showalter? But I'm saying, Bill, but the new GM, ooh, the new GM didn't ooh. hire Perry Manassian didn't hire Joe I, Madden. I, I, but still, that's not his call. Artie Moreno's making that call because own it. Mar- How many years are left on Joe's deal? I think I think this was his last year, actually. He only got a three-year deal. I think so because I remember hearing Joe, John Heyman say something like, "If they would have reached the World Series, he would have been back next year. But if not, he's probably gone after this year." He had to win the World Series. Yeah, I think or, it was either win or reach the World Series. And he would have been guaranteed. Artie Moreno, clock's ticking on that last World Series. And twenty oh, years ago. And by the way, you didn't own the team then. You know who owned the team? Gene Autry. Disney. Oh. Gene Autry is dead years before that. I'm thinking of Gene Autry way. It's close enough. It's Disney. Uh, Disneyland owned him. Oh, okay. So, I got to tell you, clock is a ticking on that last championship. How many managers now since that championship? 
Uh, this he would have been the third. So well, second, third. It was Sosha, Osmus, and Sosha. Osmus was after Sosha. Yeah. Wasn't somebody in between there? No, I thought they, I think it was they went right to Osmus. I thought and Sosha, Osmus got one year. Yeah, then he did twenty nineteen. Maybe it's time to bring Sosha back. He's available. Or maybe Phil Nev- Phil Nevin. How are they going to say Phil Jackson? They're going to say Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson coming back. <laughs> Magic as his bench coach. Now that I'd watch that. If you could get Phil Jackson to manage the Angels and put Magic Johnson on the staff, Shaq get Shaq in there. Yeah. I'm in. You got to get you got to get him off TNT first. Let Shaq make all the pitching changes. It'd be the greatest. All right, we're out of here. Thank you for everybody for listening and watching A's Cast Live. We'll see everybody tomorrow at 1 o'clock. We'll be back in a couple minutes with the A's Total Access Show, brought to you by Chevron. We want to thank the great Sam Perraro, my old head baseball coach at San Jose State. We want to thank Gene Tennis, A's legend, and also A's legend Ron Washington. We'll see everybody tomorrow. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than the Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.